How's it going? It's going well, man. It's been a little while. How are you doing? It has been weeks, weeks and weeks, yeah. but uh, we're back, ready, ready to do this. We are, yes, sir. Uh, so tell me about your. Uh, I mean, as our listeners probably know, both of our lives have changed a good bit over the past few weeks. You have a puppy. Tell, give us, give me the latest on your puppy. I think the last podcast we were about to get the puppy. We weren't sure when we were going to get it, we were supposed to get it in like October, but the the original litter that we were um, going to get it from, we ended up getting a puppy from that litter. And, and since then we've, we've been having this puppy. We've been uh, all around the house. We've been trying to do everything you can do as a good puppy owner. It is a lot harder than I ever expected. Like the first <laughs> several days we were up every couple hours at night, taking her out to potty. And now she's sleeping through the night. That's awesome. Um, she's starting to bite though a little bit. She's nipping at stuff. She gets really excited at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. <laughs> and we'll just run around like a crazy dog. And then like she'll just chill out. Like you'll be able to cuddle with her or hold her or something after she's, she starts to slow down. But if you get her during that, that wild sprint, she is, she's tough. Really? Um, she's exploring the house. She's eating all kinds of things that my two year old drops. Um, we try our best to sweep up after her, but. Man, she's she's quick and uh, just just a little little fast little puppy. But she's like three pounds now. We got her when she was like oh, two wow. pounds, so she's she's starting to grow. Um, she's black and white. She's a little Havanese, and her name is Maisie. So That's we awesome, are man. very happy, and the girls are are starting to to learn you know how to get her to stop nipping at them and how to how not to. Um, an antagonizer because they're it's really easy to get in their face if you're two and you you just want her attention yeah no doubt does she play well with the girls though uh like yeah. she gets a little she's a little too rambunctious for them really um, she, she gets uh, riled up real quick and well hopefully she, she'll grow out of this and and get rid of the because she's she's chewing on stuff too hmm so she's really discovered she's got that little mouth and she wants to do something. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Now, she's, she's, still, she's busy. Is she still waking you up in the middle of the night? No. Um, maybe maybe like at 5 a.m., but before it was like every hour and a half. Oof. And I got these solar lights for the backyard because we take her out into the same section of the backyard and, and potty every night. And we can get her to potty um, in within like 30 to 90 seconds of going outside. It's really consistent now. So that's nice. Wow. That's, that must be nice. My dog is not like that at all. Whenever she goes to the bathroom, she has to step outside and she sniffs around for like three, four minutes before she decides that she's ready to use the bathroom. And then another, you know, a few minutes before she decides she wants to use the bathroom again. Yeah. So that's true. I, 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 I envy you. <laughs> yeah. We have this, we, we praise her every time she goes and she's starting to, I think she knows her name, but she's starting to, to understand some of the terms we're using and Megan's trying to use treats and all kinds of uh, training. And we, we've started a doggy kindergarten. I think we have, and since it's uh COVID right now, we have uh, like a, a trainer that we're zooming with uh, about, I think it's like six hours for the full training. 
and normally we would have all met in person for six weeks, but mm-hmm. um, we get some one-on-one training right now. There so, you go. Yeah, that's the news on the puppy. How is the baby? The baby's doing pretty good. She's getting big, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even though she's so she's a month old now. Wow. Um, oh, by quick. Yeah, I know. One month that went by really fast. She's getting big. Um, you know, she. I haven't really seen this with babies this size before, but she's already like getting kind of talkative and like, you know, what? we can talk to her and like she will like you know kind of make baby noises back to us and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Um, and she likes to watch me play Call of Duty now. I will put her like position her just like in my arm and have one hand on my on my keyboard, the other on my mouse, and like she'll watch and stuff. And you know, she's she has a good time. So she seems to be doing really well, man. I love her to death. Awesome, awesome. Have uh, all the family members got to meet her yet? Um, most of them. The ones that haven't will meet her on. July 4th on Saturday. Actually, yeah, so it's only my cousin, I believe, who has not met her, or most of my cousins haven't. So, yeah, they'll they'll meet her on on the 4th of July. Now, she is, like, getting to the point where she's starting to sleep through the night. Um, She wakes up once, generally around 7 a.m., and that's about it. Yeah, it's not fair. It took us (laughs) years to get there. <laughs> it's just Jenny has been incredible. Like I haven't because I haven't been able to keep up with it. But Jenny's just been very strict with the schedule. Nap times don't happen in like her her nighttime bed space. Like we have a separate bed space for her, and Jenny's like constantly like has using Google Calendar to keep track of exactly when she should be awake and feeding versus when she should be napping. And she just kind of got into a routine. Awesome. Well, they thrive yeah. on the routine. Yeah, you know, so she's she is thriving on the routine. I'm thankful for it too because, you know, those first three weeks, she was a uh, she was waking up a good bit during the night, and it was it was tough to you know feel refreshed and ready to to sit down and do good work. You know, when you just don't have a whole lot of sleep in you. So yeah, it's going to go by quick. Before you know it, she'll be out of diapers. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm not excited about that part, but <laughs> you know, so. But uh, let's talk about some of the the big things that have happened in, okay. in the great world of Apple since it was, you know since we've been gone. Yeah, the most important, the biggest news is I got air conditioning. Oh, oh, that's true. <laughs> and we've been in this house for six years, and <laughs> in the summers it's always really hot. And I would like like move down a floor because each floor in the house is about ten degree difference. So top floor is uh, like eighties, eighties to nineties. Uh, the main floor is in the 70s to 80s, and then the basement 60s or 70s. So I would always just go down to the basement and program there or work there, whatever. But um, this year, we moved my office upstairs to the hottest part. And so within three months of me having the office in here, we're, we scheduled and we had air conditioning installed. And I'm loving it, man. This is <laughs> it's super cool. L- literally. Haha. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> I can control with Nest, so I can, you know, have my Wi-Fi controlled smart home stuff now control temperature as well as heat. And before, I would only on the Nest, I, I can only see the heat, so it would only turn red. But now it can turn blue. So mm. Big changes. But anyway, um, yeah, there's a couple spots in the house that have always been like the really hot spots. Like on the stairs, there's a, a big window, and that was always like a like a sauna you'd walk through as you go downstairs. 
And that was actually really nice today. So super pleased, man. This is great. That's awesome, man. Now, did you know that it was going to be hot when you first moved your programming space upstairs? Yes. Yeah, because this bedroom um, that I'm in or this office that I'm in, it doesn't have, uh, I guess it has a vent and a fan, but it doesn't have like a lot of circulation or anything. And it was always stuffy. And Mm. uh, yeah, moving in there, I I figured that it was going to be hot. And I figured that I would just uh, convince everybody that we need to get air conditioning. But Mm -hmm. to get air conditioning, we had to get a new electrical panel. Uh, The house came with a 100 amp panel. We had to upgrade to a 150 amp panel. So that involved completely replacing the panel and like driving these eight foot grounding uh, copper grounding poles into the ground and reinstalling the panel um, and then running cable or running wire from the far side of the garage through a bunch of closets and under stairs and through the utility room and across a beam and to go all the way across to the other side of the house where the, uh, uh, the air conditioner is. So, um, yeah, that's it's tough work. I did not do it. I hired it out, and that was a <laughs> great decision. That but, sounds uh, like a great decision. No kidding, but I am super pleased now. So, you know, we have to talk about this. What temperature do you keep your home at, and do you change it at all depending on what time of day? After yesterday when we had it installed, um, that number is going to be 72 72. And I think during, I during think the day, I think I'll just leave it at 72 all the time and we'll see what happens. Okay. But it's so much better than what it used to be, which was like just extremely cold or extremely hot all the time. It was never right. perfect. Right. No, no doubt. No, I'm sure it is much better. So we keep ours. 72 is generally the max if we're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but at night I always crank it down to 68. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I find that when it's just a little bit cooler, almost like borderline borderline chilly, I find that I sleep way better. Oh, um, nice. And Jenny sleeps better. And then usually like when I get up in the morning, I bump it to 70 and then, you know, maybe if after a while to 72. You're um, micromanaging that, that thing too much. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not used to touching the thermostat. Growing up, it was dad's job. And then uh, that's true. Moved out and other people did the thermostat or we didn't have one. So, right. I think though, a lot of it's just because I'm, I'm very warm, warm natured, I guess you could say. Sure. You know, I just seem to run hot. Yeah. Um, And so because of that, I I feel like it's, it could always be cooler. Someday I want to like crank it down to as low as I possibly can and see how long it takes Jenny to notice. But let's (laughs) hope she doesn't listen to this episode. (laughs) Well, I have the, um, I can't say her name, but the Amazon tubes all over the house that listen to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can now tell her to turn the, the thermostat to, you know, 72 or 68 or whatever from any room in the house. That's pretty cool. It. So that's uh, futuristic. I might change. I might try that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Futuristic, man. Okay. Let's, let's get into the actual news though. Um, last week was a big week. Um, it it was, was Apple's WWDC conference. They have this once a year, and this is kind of like the Christmas for Apple nerds. Uh, they announce the new iOS, the new tvOS, the new watchOS, the new iPadOS, the new macOS. Um, they announce all of the software. And the features that they announce are probably the only features you're going to get for a year. 
And it seems like the last decade I've been I've been tracking this, they don't really announce something major midway through a cycle. They have in the past a couple times, but it's not common. And so if you don't see the feature that you want demoed or mentioned at a WWDC, you know, don't hold your breath. Just wait until next year. So the feature I wanted this year was I want to be able to plug in a monitor into an iPad, and then I want that monitor to display a second iPad screen in full widescreen, and I want to be able to use the mouse on it so I could have multitasking between two different monitors. And you can kind of do this with some of the apps, but it's not... Um, it's not true multitasking like you can with a Mac. You can just plug in an external monitor into it. So I wanted that feature. I, I thought we were we were going to get it, but uh, nope, we don't have it. It's still the same functionalities as before. And, and uh, with their track record, I'm just going to to move on. I'm not going to uh, um, expect it to just appear in, in like a point release. Right. I had the same the same reaction with Xcode on the iPad. Like I yeah. wanted the platform to have reached a maturity level where it can start, you know, we can start developing applications for the platform on that platform because Apple's always harping on, you know, how many creative things you can do with the iPad and you most certainly can, but I was hoping that one of those things was going to be software development and it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Nope. And I've been, I've been using Xcode on the iPad, but it was just like a remote desktop to, my Mac in a different room. Yeah. And I just don't have enough room. Like I can, I can type on it and use the mouse and click things. And it's very responsive. But then I I find myself doing that, you know, the desktop dance where you're resizing windows or moving things on top of each other. You're, you're doing that more than you're actually coding. Mm -hmm. And it really slows me down. So I kind of see why they wouldn't or or why it's not a priority yet, but I, I do think it's coming, but Oh man, it, I think it's going to be a while, man. I think it's going to be a while because they've they have doubled down and committed to the Mac platform by swapping out the architecture, completely doing you know doing a UI redesign of Mac OS. I guess we can you know I don't know if you're ready to talk about this, but you know the the whole ARM Mac deal is 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 not small. They are definitely recommitting to that platform. Yeah, let's talk about it. So. Apple's moving from Intel processors to ARM processors. ARM processors, that's an architecture type. That's what your iPhone and your iPad run. In fact, they have a new test uh, Mac that you can get if you're a developer that is it's just an iPad processor wrapped in a box, and, and it runs macOS. So I started thinking about this. If my iPad is running the same hardware, or at least it has the same internals as an actual Mac, even if it was a slow Mac, then I could run Mac OS on the iPad. That it, it, it is possible to run the full Mac OS on it. Um, the only thing limiting me right now is, is Apple, um, you know, just opening that up. So I, I mean, we're finally getting closer to my vision of, I have an iPhone that's built for, for touch and it's just super mobile. When I plug it into the keyboard mouse monitor, it runs a full operating system. And I've seen this before with, and I've even talked about it on the podcast with uh, Samsung Samsung Dex, which was a Linux distro that your Samsung Galaxy phones can display. But it's not Windows, it's not Mac. 
it's you know it's a, a Linux one, and so uh, you have less apps, and it's just not as popular. But if I could plug my phone into everything, and I can run Mac OS, that's my that's Xcode. That's the full enchilada. Yeah. So, you know, displaying it on an iPad is cool, but displaying it on a, a true monitor keyboard and mouse, but still having it in your pocket all the time, I think that's what I really want. Yeah. I, it's just, we've never seen it done well. Right. You know, it's yep. something that I want to see, but yeah, still have a, still have yet to see it done well. And so I'd be curious to see if the iPad, So I, I, I so I guess this is my question: Are you asking to be able to run the iPad OS in a fashion similar to Mac OS, or do you want to have Mac OS running at the same time as the iPad, and you just switch between the two? I want a I want to flip a switch. I want to use switch. the iPad as an iPad, but when I plug it up to a keyboard mouse monitor, I want to load into Mac OS. But I want all of the the files and apps that I had on the iPad to be available in Mac OS, which with the new ARM Macs, that's what they're going to do is you can run your iPad or iPhone apps unmodified on the system. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about that. Like if, if you try to just run iPad apps on a Mac, you don't have the touch screen. So you're going to try to do everything with a mouse. But if they're releasing new Macs and their ARM, I think mm-hmm. we might have touchscreen Macs in the next two years. You think in so? Fact, I'm, I'm like ninety percent confident we will. Yeah, I think, I, I I think we will, and and I think that they need to do something about. Well, maybe not. Well, but but when we see the UI changes made to Mac OS, a lot of them are made, and for what looks like with touch in mind, you know, everything's oh, so a little much. bit bigger, you know, and so I have to think that they're planning on doing that. There's more room on the menu bars. There's the the borders on Windows are bigger. Um, everything is just yeah. There's there's more room. However, it will still run those dense desktop apps like a like a Final Cut or a, a Logic or one of those Pro apps or even Xcode, and those require a mouse. But I whenever I used Windows because Windows has already tried all of this. Whenever I use Windows 8 or Windows 10 with a touchscreen. Some stuff was great to do. Like scrolling mm-hmm. was great. Moving a window was, around was great. But like the control panel was too dense. It was d- tedious to use. And I, I definitely know Apple's going to have that hurdle if they introduce a touchscreen Mac. But if I'm running iPad apps or iPhone apps on there, I can see you know those having the touchscreen stuff. I've also seen them do some stuff with this, uh, this sidecar feature that they added to um, Mac OS last year where you can plug an iPad into your Mac and it's an external monitor. When they added that, they didn't enable touchscreen on it. All of the third-party apps that do the same thing like Duet and then there's like Air Display or something, mm-hmm. those apps let you use your finger on the iPad as a mouse. But Apple's version did not. They let you use the Apple Pencil but only for like drawing apps. They don't let you, let you just use your finger. So I do know that they are they're not opposed to limiting a feature if it doesn't feel just right. They're not going to just throw it in there because you can do it. So and they have some restraint. So I can imagine them 
releasing a touchscreen Mac, and the only things that that the touchscreen works on are you know these touchscreen apps and maybe dragging windows around or scrolling on a website. But if you're actually trying to you know, go in there and fiddle with stuff, maybe that doesn't work with the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think we're gonna have it. I think that well, they're going to end up releasing a device that's going to be what you've been looking for. Something like an iPad with a touchscreen, but it's still going to be a Mac running Mac OS. And yeah. you're going to be able to do your coding on it. You know, you can be able to build apps. I, that's what I want. And we're switching to ARM now. So I'm like looking at my desk and I have right now my desk, everything on it has an ARM except the Mac. So my TV has an ARM in it. My phones have arms, my dongles, some like there's like an Apple display dongle that you can get that has a, you know, a full processor in it. There's uh, (laughs) some Raspberry Pis. There's all these like things across my desk that all have arms. But the only thing that's sticking out now is this one Intel machine. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting that AWS or, you know, Amazon's cloud stuff, they started offering arm, um, EC2 instances, so I can really run my servers on ARM, and they're not as fast yet as you know the Intel ones. But I can definitely see the server starting to move that way too. Um, if I'm de- developing on a Mac and I'm using Docker or I'm using a, a virtual machine and it's running ARM, it would be nice if my server environment is also running ARM. But again, that's a big transition, and you know Netflix isn't going to switch their servers over to ARM. Um, just because it's the, the new cool thing from Apple, mm-hmm. this is going to be a slow transition to get everybody switched over, uh, and it might not even happen. Like I'm hoping, I'm hoping it will, but it might not happen. And the reason I want it to happen is uh, the new, I think it's the new rumored Macs are going to have like five nanometer uh, processors, and so I think Intel's at 14 nanometer or 12. I don't know. They're over 10 though. As you you decrease and, and fourteen or you know five nanometer, that's how much space is bes- between every little transistor on the chip. So if I cut that space between the transistor, uh, tra- you know, if I if I cut that in half, then you can now take your entire processor and shrink it in, in half, or you know thirty percent or whatever the, the the change is. And it also requires less energy and less power. So if I take if I have the same processor at two different um, sizes, one of them might be you know, 50, a 15 watt chip, and you know another one's a seven watt chip, but they're the same speed. And Intel, but Intel hasn't changed theirs in years. Like they're still uh, much bigger chips. So I, I'm really excited for ARM because the fabs are there. They're already building seven, you know seven nanometer. They're working on five nanometer. And I'm not seeing that change in Intel. So I, I'm imagining these new Macs, or at least some of the models, to not have fans. And if you don't have a fan, you can start making better waterproofing. If you can make better waterproofing, then mm-hmm. like, the most common you know, problem on, on laptops are people spilling drinks on the keyboards and then frying the motherboard. Yep. Or cracking the screen. So, you know, getting closer. Imagine never having to worry about spilling a coffee on your laptop ever again. With my iPad, because I have the Magic Keyboard, I can just take the iPad right off. So worst case scenario, I spill a drink on my keyboard and it does fry it. It's not part of the, the iPad. I just pull it right off. I can't do that with my MacBook. I have That's... to flip it upside down and put rice on it or something. 
It's true. It's true. You know, only the only complaint. It's not really a complaint, honestly. It's just the way that it is. Is imagine you know lower cost devices just being able to pull down all your data and be able to have a complete desktop up and running within you know a few minutes just because all your stuff's online already. You know, it's kind of funny. We already do have that, but you know, yeah. It's not, and the, whenever you get a new iOS device, one of your options is it'll say like, you know, restore this from a backup of a previous device that you've backed up. And so when I got the new iPad, I wanted to restore it from my old iPad. So right. a couple buttons and 30 minutes later, I'm have all my data. It's just like I was, everything was set up like it was before. I might have to log into some apps again or, yeah, but in general, I have all of my data. So that's awesome. If I could bring that to the desktop, then, man, that really it, it, it separates the need to um, fiddle with backups and, you know, having that whole process whenever you want to get a new machine. Yeah, it makes it super easy. Do so- you think that they're going to add Windows and Boot Camp to these ARM Macs because they don't run they they currently don't run boot camp and they can't run Windows. But do you think that's a possibility? I think that it's going to largely depend upon how much support Microsoft is willing to put out for Apple. Um, because right now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not very well, super well versed in everything that's going on in the Windows world. There is a Surface Pro X, I believe is what it's called, which is a Surface that has an ARM processor. And I think there, there's like one or two like non-Microsoft devices that also run a ARM version of Windows 10. So I think that, you know, it, it's possible. I could see it happening. But I think that I think Apple might want to take this as an opportunity to tighten up the ecosystem a little bit because one of the selling points for Intel based Macs was the fact that you could run windows on. It was almost a selling point for the Mac, you know, for people who have never had a Mac before it's okay. This is a PC too. You can, you know, you can run windows. Like I remember the, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads. And then, you know, Mac says, and I'm a PC too. Talking about how you know there is boot camp, you can you can always go back to Windows. You know, I think that Apple will probably take this opportunity to tighten up the ecosystem a little bit and not allow Windows on a Mac any more than you could have Android on an iPhone. Interesting. My very first Mac in two thousand five was an Intel Mac, and the only reason I bought it is because they just did the transition and I had the ability to run Windows on it. Yeah. I was in college and I needed to run Microsoft Office and was it SQL Server? I needed to run several apps, Visual Studio, and I could not, they didn't have Mac versions. And I remember having the Mac and I was using the apps. You know, I, I was iLife at the time, iPhoto and iMovie and all these cool apps, uh, TextMate. And I, I remember loving using them, but in order to actually do work, I had to use um Windows app. So I would do them in, in, with the virtualization parallel software where you know, mm-hmm. Visual Studio would just appear in a window. And if it didn't have that ability, I would have never um, switched to Mac. However, in 2011-ish, I started 
to get enough apps and, and I finally hit that tipping point where I don't have to have Windows installed at all. I don't need any Windows apps at all. And now with this new transition, I think the same thing's gonna gonna happen, I believe, but it would be with Intel apps. So I'm you know, here in a couple of years, I'll get to the point where I don't have to have anything running in emulation for like an Intel Mac. Uh, I'm not going to have like, I don't Slack or, um, you know, any of these custom apps. Everything I'm, I'm thinking of in my mind, they're, I know they're all going to be armed within six months. Oh, yeah. But, hmm. So maybe that transition will be a lot quicker than I thought. I I'm curious to see though if they do. I mean, it's it's weird, man. It's like this is gonna kind of kind of change the definition of what a PC is, you know? Because these are gonna be used as laptops, are gonna be used as desktops, are gonna be used as a normal PC, like a normal computer. But we're so used for to these things that we call computers being Intel based, like back all the way back to the eighties. Like we haven't really had, except for like power PC max, we haven't really had non Intel based PCs right. and or PCs, they weren't as popular, yeah. but yeah, they were, they weren't as popular by far. I mean, like you had, you know, the, um, uh, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Was you had things like an alpha. Was, yeah. Yeah. You, you had, you know, systems, but by the time the, you know, the 1990s, 2000s came around, like it was all Intel, you right. know, um, you could run Windows, you could run Linux, um, you run BSD, whereas these things are not, I, I very, very, very much doubt you're going to be able to do anything like, like that. It's not really going to be something that you can be able, like the, it, it kind of takes the tinkering out almost because I think Apple's going to, like I said, I think they're going to tighten up the ecosystem. Well, um, whenever I run Linux or I try to run Linux on a Mac, like if I have a touch bar, I know Linux is not going to yeah, use that touch bar. Yeah. I know my, my trackpad's not going to work as well. It's not going to handle all the multi-touch stuff. I know all these things, these proprietary, you know, Apple-specific things are just not going to work. And, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe they will tighten it up. I can see them tightening it up, but then allowing you to put a layer on top of it like mm -hmm. parallels or something. So you could run Linux on top of Mac, but they want Mac to be the lowest level. Right. And we know that they're going to do that because, um, what, what is it called? Big Sur. Big Sur has a virtualization layer and they even showed at WWDC Debian running inside of Mac OS, which was pretty yes. cool to see, you know? Yeah. Um, they're also doing stuff with like, if they're using their own chip, then they're going to have like the secure enclave. They're going to have all this encryption stuff that the machine learning, um, you know, portions of it, all of these, these specialized parts of the chip aren't going to be, you know, natively supported in, you know, mint Linux. But if your, if your base system is Mac OS and you put this stuff on top of it, then, you know, my mint Linux environment might not, you know, ever need to use some of those features or care about them, but they're still active and you can use them because Mac's the lower level. Right. But I, yep. I am wondering, like, Will it be fast enough that I just I could full screen that Debian Linux and just live in that world? Because on my iPad I can open an app full screen and live in that world. So I'm wondering if it's going to be fast enough and and if they can get macOS thin enough that we're not going to see performance problems and not have battery issues. That that's another thing that I keep thinking about is every in my mind Intel laptops 
I have battery anxiety with all of them. Always. Like mm-hmm. the fans are spinning, it's getting hot. I know it's going to run out of battery. With ARM machines, my iPhone, my iPad, I never think about battery unless it's like, I don't know, I'm significantly using something. But like with my iPad, I just, I, I, even, I even turned off the uh, percentage or time remaining symbols on the top right of the screen because I don't need to see them. Don't, don't uh, make me think about that. But on Intel computers, I always think about that. Yeah. So, so I, I'm hoping that this is going to let me get rid of that anxiety with my desktop computer or laptop. That makes sense. We shall see, sir. All right, man. What else happened at WWDC? Um, well, iOS 14 happened. That's a big Ooh. one. Yeah, um, I have not used it yet. You got, Really? You haven't? You haven't put it on a test device yet? I haven't put on anything yet. Yeah, I think oh. I have an iPhone. What is this one? I'll put on this one. This is a iPhone 6S. We'll see if I can put it on there. I wonder if you could put it on there. That's a good question. I have can put it I? on my daily driver. Yeah, that that's risky. I have, <laughs> man. So, okay. putting on your daily driver means you are okay. You sign in with iCloud with your main account. Yes. So all of your iCloud documents are going to now use iOS fourteen. If there was any iOS fourteen specific features. Not that there is, but if there was, so for example, iOS 13, they updated, was it Reminders app? And if I installed iOS 13 betas and I used my primary Apple account, then mm-hmm. it would have upgraded my Reminders database. And none of my other devices that aren't on the most recent version would have been able to use Reminders or use that database. It, would have, it was forked. And yep. I've done this several times in the past. Whenever you go with your daily driver on the next iOS, you are risking that. And it might be might be totally fine. But I've also had I, I had presentations where I think it was iOS A7 or 8 era where I was going to present uh, something. So I, I created the presentation in what was it? Key, I guess it was Keynote and I saved it to iCloud. Yep. And then when I got there to the um, place to do the presentation, uh, my iCloud was corrupt and I lost of that data. Oh. Uh, I think it was like last year, the year before I lost a bunch of data and it would, I had it there in iCloud during one of the betas and then a couple betas and then disappeared. And then a couple betas later it appeared again, but I went, you know, several, several months with actual data loss just because the different betas weren't seeing the same files on iCloud and not, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this year, but that is a risk you take moving your daily driver over with your Apple account. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's very true. I, that's why mention, I don't recommend recommend it to anyone. <laughs> what what happens if the camera doesn't work right, or and you no longer can, or it crashes when you go to take a picture of your baby, or you can't get the phone call, or um, something well, weird happens. So I installed it thinking, you know, all of my content is on the cloud. You know? Yeah. So if I have to nuke this device and reinstall iOS 13, I'm okay with it. That was my right. mentality going in. What cloud um, is your data on? Is it on Apple's cloud or somebody else's? It is mainly on Apple's, but then again, a lot of the third-party apps that I use have you know stored data outside of Apple. Okay. Um, cool. 
So, I mean, yes, I use reminders. I use photos. You know, Google Photos is also on my device. Beyond that, a lot of other stuff is, you know, app specific and they have their own servers and whatnot. Um, so I knew that there was a possibility that, you know, I was going to host something. And if that was the case, I'll just revert back to iOS 13. I'll probably be okay. Might have some data loss. Probably not going to be stuff I care too much about. Yeah. Um, hence why I was willing to try it. But you should not go into it and install it expecting everything to be okay as if this is a stable version of iOS. It's not. I have noticed a few bugs. The one that annoys me the most is what changing my wallpaper is kind of buggy. <laughs> you know? Changing your wallpaper is yeah, buggy? Yeah, of all things, trying to change your desktop, I mean, your uh, your home screen background causes the settings app to lock up. Um, and yeah. I've been able to like get around it and be able to, to set a desktop image, but... It it still is like one of those weird little things that that happens, and you just you just deal with it, knowing that this is this is you know beta software. I think Apple has harder, rougher betas than other companies because they are so secretive that I don't think the settings. And I'm a, I'm just guessing and just assuming, but I'm assuming the settings app is made by a very small team, and I'm assuming that the mail app is made by a very small team. And I'm assuming that the mail app when I was 14 was being really was being developed earlier this year. They did not talk to the settings team unless they absolutely absolutely needed to. So there is, you know, the left hand's not talking to the right hand because both of them are releasing new features. Mm-hmm. But then someone higher up the chain is getting, you know, they have a, a bigger overall picture of all of the things that are being added. But the people actually working on it are in silos. So until iOS 14 was announced publicly, they didn't know like. There's two versions of Xcode right now on the beta channel. There's one for ARM Max, and then there's one for um, everybody else on Big Sur. That's not necessary. The only reason that's like that is because you know the Xcode team didn't necessarily know everything that was happening with ARM and vice versa. Um, they, they mentioned, and I think it was it was the State of the Union possibly that mm-hmm. you know, they're going to eventually merge that back down to one build. But right now it's two. So uh, I think the, some of these bugs that you're seeing, like that wallpaper, are, are not necessary. But now that both teams can, you know, they know it's kind of happening, they can collaborate and fix some of that stuff. But, man, it's I just, if they weren't so secretive, if they yeah. weren't trying to like just have that, that mic drop moment at the keynote just surprise you, then I think everything would be a little bit more, um, you know, bug-free and, and uh, s- s- I don't know, simpler. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all that being said, though, I, iOS 14 is really nice. I love having widgets on my home screen. Yeah, I love the app library. Um, right now, I'm using, let's see, I have the weather on my, oh, by the way, I was able to drop my five pages worth of apps down to two. Um, I have the weather widget, on top of my first page. And then I have the podcast app on the second page, along with something that they call a stack, which is just multiple widgets that you can just swipe between by swiping up or down. Um, And that way you can, it's just interactive. Like here, I'm looking at the calendar and the next one, I'm looking at a map and I can find places to eat really easily. And it takes me to Apple maps. It's, 
It's very nice. Um, the app library is super smooth. I actually works very, very well for the first demo. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's a good idea. It works well. I know it's like very similar to an Android idea, but it's just executed in a way that is so Apple like, um, one of the, um, the, I guess the benefits to getting your family members or, you know, people, you know, onto the Apple platform versus the others, if they're on app, the, if they're on the Apple platform and they're on iOS, I know that if they need to change a setting that all they have to do, or if I grab their, if I grab anybody's phone and they're running iOS, I know that if I need to go to settings, I can just flip across the screens, find the settings icon. It's always the same. It will definitely be on one of those screens, touch it. And I'm in the settings. If I need to open up um, messages, I know that I'll be able to find it with Android. They've had this, this concept of the app door, but the, and they've also had the concept of having widgets and a customized home screen. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have something like the app drawer or some alphabetical list of everything installed, it can be impossible to find specific apps. So I, I definitely think the app drawer is, is needed. I think uh, we finally we, we finally changed from every icon is the there's only one icon on the phone for that app and that's the only way you get into it into an, this new era where you have the alphabetical list but you also have the very you know very small limited number of of favorites that you want to use and those are what's going to be on your home screen now mm-hmm. so i'm anxious to get you know get in front of me and be able to play with it but um i'm gonna let everybody else test it first understandable <laughs> all right man let's do the picks of the week Sounds good, man. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I got a new app called Boop. B-O-O-P. It's a Mac app, and it allows you to paste some text, and then you can run several utilities on it. So if I needed to convert some text into a specific encode, like a we call them URL encoding or JSON encoding, or if I had some JSON that I received from something and I needed to make it pretty so I could read it. I can just paste it to this, this little box. And then from this little menu, I'm able to say, you know, convert base 64 encode this or prettify this, or, you know, do any of these little uh, conversions to it. And typically I will go to some sketchy website that has like a JavaScript uh, converter, but I really don't like dropping in JSON that I'm actually testing or using for an app in there because I have to like mm-hmm. remove any keys or tokens, but if it's all only done on my machine, I feel much safer. So anyway, I'm going to try out Boop, B-O-O-P. That's awesome, man. I'm going to download this and start using it because I oftentimes will, you know, get a get a JSON dump out of, you know, a debugger or something like that. I would like to be able to, you know, prettify it so that I can look at it and really see what's going on. So I'm, I'm going to be giving this a try. Nice. So, so my picks of the week are actually features in iOS. Um, two of them that I have recently started using, bedtime and downtime. Yeah? So bedtime in iOS 13 is found inside of the clock app. Um, they actually moved it, sort of kind of moved it outside of the clock app inside of iOS 14 and more so into health. But what it lets you do is pick you know, what day, what time you want to start going to bed 
and you know when you plan on waking up and that sounds super simplistic it sounds like oh you're just setting an alarm it's not just that though because the alarms that you get inside of bedtime are much nicer than just your standard alarms um instead of you know just being one of those harsh like really shrill alarms that you generally get when you i i think they're not just the ones that you use for your phone but they're like special clock alarms if you will the ones that happen in bedtime are very soft gentle like music that starts very you know very quiet and you know escalates gently to get you to the point where you know you can you're you're awake and it's still loud enough for me for when it goes off i will wake up pretty soon but it keeps baby and mama asleep oh okay Um, so much better than having just you know baby mama asleep and then all of a sudden you know (laughs) so um it works really well i highly recommend it and then it also tracks you know when you know the phone is not being picked up and moved around so it assumes that you're in bed and you can see how how much time you're spending in bed um which is just a good statistic to keep track of um the other one that kind of goes hand in hand with this is downtime and the cool thing about downtime is that i find that i will immediately Upon waking up in the morning, grab my phone. I have like all these notifications, whether it's a group text or it's it's stuff on Instagram or it's, you know, news alerts, all of this stuff. Or I'm going to bed and I have, you know, notifications hitting me or, you know, all, all of these things. Well, what downtime does is, you know, we all kind of need some time away to not be hit with. Well, actually, let me take that a step back. Something that I've really been trying to do more this year is take more control over my own mind space because I feel like I have given it too much to other people, whether that be, you know, through something like Facebook or through, you know, social, just social media in general, you know, blogs, podcasts, all these things. I wanted to be able to take a little bit of, you know, I, I want to give myself some free time to think for myself and not have all these ideas coming at me constantly. So it's nice that in the morning, instead of being hammered with Instagram notifications, not only that, iOS restricts me from being able to open Instagram at all. Oh, Um, wow. Yes. It will lock down everything except for specific apps that you choose to allow, which for me is like my Bible app. I'll keep that open. I, I usually start trying to get to the gym around 7.50. So at that point, I want to be able to have the podcast app. But I don't have any access to social media, and I don't get any notifications for it. Um, but it also helps me get ready for bed by not having access to those apps, you know, about 20 minutes before I go to bed either. Um, so it's really good. I really enjoy these features. It's not stuff that we talk about a lot in iOS. I don't even know if many people know about them, but they are, um, they're very good. Bedtime's found in the clock. Downtime is found inside of the settings app, I believe under like the screen limit section. Um, let me double check that real time. Follow-up is found under the screen time section. Are these iOS 14 features or 13? 13 features. Oh, so I can use these today? You can use these today. Oh, cool. Yes, sir. Nice. Well, I uh, my favorite way to to be woken up with an Apple product was the Apple Watch. Because mm-hmm. um, it would, like, thump your wrist, but no one else in the room could hear it. 
but you would wake up. Uh, but that would only work if you're, you know, wearing the watch to sleep. And my problem with that is like, you know, like then when do you charge it? Exactly. Uh, but uh, anyway, nope, still haven't found the Apple Watch yet. Um, I think I'm just going to give up on it. Yes, sir. Hashtag the cowboy. Good night, man. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>